Luton Town round off 2023 with a home game against Moneybags Chelsea at lunchtime on Saturday. Huge game and will probably give us a first reflection of exactly how much we've improved from the start of the season. To preview the game with me, I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and I've got town fan Dan Barrett-Davis. Gents, ready for this one? Yeah, can't wait to reverse that early season defeat. Always ready for a home game. Here's the intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast, the longest running Luton Town podcast and the only one to go from League 2 to the Premier League. You won't sing that Chelsea fans, will you? Um, We are going to preview Chelsea at home. Uh, If you haven't realised, 12.30 kickoff on Saturday, TNT Sports, if you haven't got a ticket, if you have, don't turn up at three o'clock, you'll have missed what we hope will be Luton's third successive top flight win in a row. James, where are we with this one? Obviously, this is the first time Chelsea have been to Kenilworth Road since they were champions of Europe. Might even have been champions of the world at that point, actually, in the FA Cup uh, 21 months ago. That was a brilliant night. Since then, we've been down to their place and they probably did a bit of a job on us. Probably the only decent game they've played, actually, this season. Certainly Raheem Sterling. Um, Are we going to see more of that cup game on Saturday? Or, dare we say, are we going to see more of that league experience? Oh, definitely more of the cup game. Yeah, it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be a hell of an afternoon, that one, I think. Uh, just the the amount of improvement that's gone into Luton since that day at Stamford Bridge has been remarkable. Um, they've not particularly kicked on. You know, they did a nice job in beating Crystal Palace uh, the other night, but um, yeah, they, they, <coughs> they, got Pochettino in, spent £500 million or whatever it was, or whatever it was ridiculous amount of money, um, to to be in the Champions League and they're nowhere near it at the moment. So uh, if Luton can capitalise on their sort of up and down form, but particularly not very good away from home this season, whereas Luton in the last couple of months have been fantastic at home and definitely against bigger sides than Chelsea, uh, better sides than Chelsea, then it's all sort of set up to be a fantastic afternoon. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Quick reflection on that cup game, Dan, from sort of 21 months ago. Um, obviously, Reese Burke opened scoring for us. Uh, Sounding Guez scored the equaliser for Chelsea. Harry Cornick put us ahead just before half time. And we kind of faded, didn't we, on a wet and horrible night. And um, Timo Werner, of all people, scored. And then Romelu Lukaku, since then, like James said, they spent best part of a billion quid and got worse. But that was a great night, wasn't it? I mean, that was the night that whilst we were trying our hardest to get out of the championship, it made you think of what could happen if we got into the Premier League, as we've seen. Yeah, it helped us to dream a little bit, didn't it? Um, 
I think Chelsea fans, some some Chelsea fan made money out of selling T-shirts with I've seen Werner and Lukaku score for Chelsea on them, <laughs> which is a brilliant bit of marketing. Well done. Um, yeah, and, you know, we we weren't, if I remember rightly, we didn't put a full strength side out ourselves. I know Jed Steer started the game and then uh, his Achilles gave way, so Oyster had to step in for his like second game ever, I think. And Played very well as well. Very yeah. well. Very, very cool. well. He, he was unlucky to concede the goals he conceded. There was nothing he could have done about the Niguez one early on. Um, the second and the other two were silly tappings that should have been dealt with. But all in all, it was a brilliant night. You know, going. I remember going one nil up. I think it was first minute, first two minutes. Um, a typical Luton goal, cross in, header across everyone. Wake up, you're in a game. Um, and it's it. It was brilliant. And then obviously they got back into it. The Cornet scored again. He just completely ran through. There was a nice little bit of play, I think, between Osho. I think Osho was playing a holding midfielder that night. And we all thought that was going to be his position. Um, plays a one-two with Mendes Gomez and then knocks it onto Cornick. And it was brilliant, brilliant goal. And if you'd seen Harry Cornick every week like we have, you'd have thought, hey, he's ballooning that. It's going in, going in the back gardens in Oak Road. But no fair play. He stuck it, stuck it away nicely. And, it allowed you to dream. We went in at half time thinking, you know, we, we've just got to somehow hold this and kill the game off, which beforehand it had been lucky to see us get a goal in the first place. I think given how, how, how Chelsea are set up and, you know, the, the size of the club and et cetera, et cetera, all, all these big millionaire players. And we made them look like, made them look silly for the first, first hour of the game, I think. It yep. just wasn't to be in the end. No, it wasn't. Uh, Tuchel was their manager then, wasn't he? And yeah. uh, whatever's happened to him, uh, gone on to Bayern Munich and bigger and better things. Chelsea then, James. If we win on Saturday, that's their worst ever, well, worst calendar year in the Premier League era. I think it would be a 24th defeat, 24 defeats in a year. I mean, that's good going for anyone, uh, let alone one that spent a billion quid. Um <laughs> But you can see it happening. I mean, they've four away games on the trot that they've lost. They've lost at Newcastle. You wonder how the hell they've done that based on what recently's happened with Newcastle. They've lost at Man United. You wondered at the time how they did that and you're still wondering that. Uh, they've lost at Everton yet again. How? And at Wolves on Sunday, they were, they were bad. I mean, they lost 2-1, but they could have lost that any number that they wanted to. They don't seem to be firing on any cylinders, let alone all cylinders, particularly away from home. Yeah, it's not been good away from home. I think, what, just four wins all season for a team. Three wins. Is it three? Yeah, three. I'm doing them a better service yeah, than they're doing themselves. Home, at Fulham, at Burnley, and against, well, that mm. kamikaze Tottenham side on the night, wasn't it? They wanted everyone to get sent off and mm. two managed it. And <laughs> it was uh, a <laughs> yeah, weird game of football, that. Apart from that, no joy. Yeah, and they're not going to find it easy coming to Kenworth Road because no team has so far. I mean, we all know the story that Luton have run Liverpool, um, Arsenal and Man City and Tottenham really close, beat Newcastle. Um, So they're not going to like it, especially if they come with any sort of attitude that it was a walkover last time. It was, really. The scoreline says it, but Luton are a different animal from... That time at the beginning of this season and the times that you've just spoken about in the FA Cup, completely different animal. Um, and they're not going to relish, relish coming to Kenworth Road one bit. So, it, you know, I'm really hopeful that, that, that 
Luton can get um, something from the from the game. There's that stat that it was 32 years to the day that Luton won back to back top flight games. That was the other day, and back then in 1991, the the third game which they also won was Chelsea at home. So it'd be a lovely bit of deja vu from 32 years ago, really. And uh, and that stat you mentioned that they're on their sort of worst run of form in the Premier League era in terms of defeats, it stretches back to 78 as well. So even before my lifetime, it's, that's how sort of uh, poor they've really been doing, um, considering the amount of players and money that's that's gone through that club, really. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it because I think that they're going to be in for a bit of a shock. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, the thing that we should sort of get out of the way straight away, we've had sort of 30 hours recovery time on on them. And at this time of year, that's no bad thing. That's certainly one thing that's in our sort of favour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm racking my brains about that Chelsea side that played in the cup. And I don't think there's many that's going to play on Saturday that played in that game. So they're all kind of new to Kenilworth Road, you know? I mean, they've, they've basically... A, brought a whole new 11 since then haven't they and uh and then some yeah yeah so that was my worry oh they've they've experienced kenworth road on a hostile night they'll know what to expect well actually they won't because none of the players are going to play on saturday or or very very few maybe one or two are on the bench or something uh, have experienced it so we've still got that in our favor which has carried us so well in the last six weeks or so yeah exactly and um I don't mind the big clubs saying, oh, we've just, we just got to show up and get the result, do it. Like James said, write us off all you want. You know, we're going to we're gonna give you a game. Um, and you're right. <clears throat> I think Chelsea are going through a huge transitional period, as they call it in football, where, you know, you, you, new manager, new owner, new manager, whole new set of players, new set of ideas, a whole load more millions and millions and millions spent. Um overspent probably and you're coming up against a side that hasn't ever had the luxury of some of the figures we've been talking about on like you, you know like Mudrich and Casado for example I mean the amount of money they've spent on them two alone I don't think Luton have ever had that amount of money <laughs> no. turnover in their entire history <laughs> or even close no, no uh, and what I love more about when we do beat these teams is that we're, we're turning over these teams on pence in comparison because, you know, they, they, they spend hundreds of millions of pounds every year. We spend a couple of million and we're beating teams and showing that money means fuck all, which is great. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad yeah. that you think that they've got new ideas because from the outside um, looking in, it don't look like they've got any idea, is it? Well, it might be the same idea. That's only looting. Well, let's let's hope that that is the case. That's for sure. Uh, threats mm-hmm. based on the away game is one mass- massive threat. I don't know if Raheem Sterling turned into peak Lionel Messi just for the one night, or if he has actually played well all season. But he was bloody good that night, and we could do with him coming down a peg or three uh, for this one. He's not one of those players that potentially might be jaded after a game on Wednesday night because he was suspended for that game. So he had, he's had his feet up, which is also annoying, but. Um, if you're looking for dangers and men to stop to stop Chelsea playing, you start number one with him. You do, especially after his performance at Stamford Bridge. But I also think that what what he did on that night was him at his best, 
And maybe a lot of teams wouldn't stop that. But I think it also gave Luton a very quick example of what big players can do if you let them. Mm. But ever since then, you can look to, you know, Liverpool where Salah wasn't in the game at all. That's a credit to uh, Luton. You can look at Arsenal where Saka wasn't in the game really. Um, Man City, even though had a lot of the ball, um, the likes of Grealish didn't really do a lot of it. I know he scored, but um, that was... He was restricted yeah, a lot, wasn't he? Yeah, big time. And, and I think that what Raheem's performance did then on that night was give Luton an idea of how they need to be to stop these players. Now, now stopping them if they're in full flight is a different matter. But the way Luton have gone about it against these teams in the last month, six weeks, has been exemplary. They really have managed to quieten down some world superstars. Um, and that's that's hopefully what, what you're going to get at Kenora Throne. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what... Um that's what's been coming for the last sort of six weeks, two months or more than that. I mean, there's all this sort of clamber for, um, clamor for Sterling to be in the England squad. Mm. Um, like That's I say, he, he was, he was brilliant against us, but really and truly you look at his stats and I mean, kind of padded against the poorer sides apart, you know, the, mm. the Fulhams and the Burnleys of this world. Yeah. I mean, it's, Perhaps unfair to say that when you consider the career he's had and the top player that he, he has been for all these years, from a very early age as well, he burst onto the scene, what, nine years ago? Nine, ten years ago? And it almost feels like he's been around forever. But he's only, what, 27, 28, I think. Um, and he, he has always had that quality about him. He was in a very good Liverpool side, uh, Man City side that dominated English football for a long time as well. Um, I feel like he's the main man at Chelsea at the moment and perhaps not really easy with that. I think he was happy being amongst all the bigger stars with him and sort of shining that way because they were allowing him to like sort of be more his, his own, whereas Chelsea's kind of relied upon, I think. He looked like he relished it at Sanford Bridge against Luton, mind you. Well, he hasn't managed the consistency, not for a no, player of his uh, elite level. No, you wonder whether it's down to a couple of injuries he's had um, or maybe maybe the role he's been asked to do. I, I, I don't, I'm admittedly not seeing a lot of Chelsea, so I can't really comment too much on that. But I'd, I'd imagine a lot, of, a lot of players' forms is to, down to what they've been asked to do. Because players don't become crap overnight, they be, they they become different, and they perhaps don't relish the new role quite so much that they've been given because it's not natural to them. An awful lot of them do seem to become crap overnight when they go to Chelsea, though it has to be said. And we've got, <laughs> we've, got, we've got someone in our own squad whose testament to that, who thankfully has uh, refound himself again. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to keep Sterling quiet. We've got to keep another former Manchester City player quiet, who also annoyingly was suspended on Wednesday night, and that's Cole Palmer. Now, I'm in two minds with this one. They've spent big on him, so they must like him, and I get that, and I can see why he's already in the England squad. Every time you see Chelsea play well, he's played well. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, if he was that good, in inverted commas, Pep wouldn't have sold him. So I don't know which way I'm leaning so far, but I'm probably leaning on the he looks a pretty good player and we need to stop him. 
Yeah, I really like the look of it, the look of him and what he's doing at such a, a, an early age. I think it was more that he wanted to get game time, wasn't it? Yeah, it, I think it, it was. It, 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 I don't think it was the Raheem Sterling situation where obviously Pep had seen something in him that wasn't as elite as he wanted him to be at Manchester City, which is remarkable considering the amount of goals he used to score for for them. But a different situation with Palmer, I think, where he desperately wanted uh, to to play regular football. And you, you've, you've got to credit uh, anybody with that, that attitude because you, know, you go back to as far as Cam McGeehan, who left, um, who, who left them to come to Luton. Norwich. I Norwich forget left. he left Norwich. He was at Chelsea to start with. Went to Norwich, then left them to come to Luton, way down in the lower leagues to 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 play football. And then he ended up going into Europe and playing top level football in Belgium. I think he was playing. So <clears throat> now he's playing top level football in Colchester. <laughs> yeah, now he is. But you know, everybody praised that sort of attitude back then. He, I remember a couple of bit big feature pieces on him written in the national newspapers about uh, that because he was a, he was an FA youth cup winning player. And um, it's not, not doesn't tend to be the usual route these days, but you know, it's not that extent with Cole Palmer. Obviously he's gone from a Premier League team to a Premier League team, but he's gone from the all conquering champions of everything Um with a caveat, an asterisk. Look back <laughs> um, on previous podcasts. With an asterisk. Um, to Chelsea, who want to be that team again, but the, the amount of money they've, they've chucked it and the amount of players that have gone through there, the churn they've they've had, it hasn't happened. But you could well see, I think, that Cole, Cole Palmer could be the talisman in seasons to come if he, if he carries on playing like he does. So he's definitely a man you've got to keep tabs on. Yeah, he really is. Um, and as I say, he'll be fresh as well, having been suspended uh, for the mm. Crystal Palace game in midweek for a third threat. I mean, usually you'd go with the centre forward, but if you watch Jackson in that Crystal Palace game, you kind of hope he plays really. Um, <laughs> so we'll go with Mkunku. There was a lot spoken about him, wasn't there, when they signed him, but then he picked up a serious injury out in America in pre-season. Mm. Didn't really see him. I think he came on for the first time against Wolves and then he started against Crystal Palace. I don't know if he starts. I don't know if he's ready to start two games in three days. I suspect he's not. So the longer he can stay on the bench, the better. But when he was at Leipzig last season, he looked very, very good in the Champions League in the games that I saw. And not all players that come out of the Bundesliga are particularly great. Chelsea know that from experience with Werner, but he does look like someone who could be good coming out of the Bundesliga. It could be, and he's quite young as well, isn't he? Again, he's another one you can sort of, he's young enough that you can sort of develop in, into a Premier League player in terms of like <clears throat> the league, different country sort of thing. I'm not saying he's not a Premier League, but clearly he's a Premier League player given the money they spent on him. Um, but yeah, um, had had he not got injured, you'd have seen a lot more of him. I can't really say too much about him because I know next to nothing, <laughs> I'm afraid. I mean, he's they'll probably still will have Jackson because he's a 10 rather than an out-and-out striker. I don't mm. know whether that's how they brought him as such because, you know, they were just flinging money at the wall and hoping something stuck at the time, weren't they? But it, says, it suggests to me that he'll be a 10 if and when he plays. So he's, you know, he's going to be a clever player. Hopefully, as I say, he stays on the bench for as long as possible. Um, because, you know, international football are really, like I say, really, really good in the Bundesliga, one of the star talents in the Bundesliga. And if he's anywhere like that form 
he's going to be a good asset to them. He is. Um, I was going to say that I do hope that um, Jackson plays instead, but considering the stick I gave to Oliver McBurney before the Sheffield United one, <laughs> and then he went and scored, I was shut up about that really. So um, I hope that if either of those two play, they have absolute stinkers because they just cannot cope with the cauldron that is Kenworth Road. Yep, let's hope that is the case. Let's swing it round then to uh, Luton. As always, we're doing this before Rob's um, pre-match press conference, as particularly in light of the early kickoff, so we can get this out to you so that you can watch it before you leave for the game. I think we're all pretty certain there'll be no marvellous Nakamba um the vibes that we picked up at Sheffield United were that his knee injury is a little bit more serious than has been let on. Maybe they don't even know the full extent of it yet, actually. And if they don't know the full extent of it on Tuesday, they're sure as hell not going to know the full extent of it on a Saturday, given all the... I think it's a recurrence thing as well, isn't it? Because he got that 60 minutes against Man City when he came back off the international break, which is where he got it, and managed to play 60 and then maybe had a reaction to that. After that, obviously, he was suspended for the... Bournemouth game and then consequently suspended for the Newcastle game because of what happened with Tom Lockyer and that game getting abandoned. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it, you know, we talked about, we was hoping to see him and hoping to see him with Barkley and Lukonga in a three, perhaps, and that's not going to happen, obviously, now. So I think, um, yeah, I I would be very surprised if he's anywhere near the squad for, for Chelsea. Especially in light of the fact that January is so quiet, why risk him when you've got, you know, nice sort of space in the calendar that we can get players uh, up to full fitness and things. The other one that we don't know about, Issa Kabore missed the game um, at Sheffield United. Obviously, yeah. in light of like Christmas and everything, pre-match, podca- uh, pre-match podcast, pre-match interviews and stuff didn't really take place. So no one really kind of divulged the information on Issa Kabore, but he was mm. on the bench at the end of that game and he did walk around and was, you saw him walking up the tunnel on that um, behind the scenes thing and he didn't look too badly injured. So I'm hoping that maybe he'll be um, fit to return and that would be handy, particularly in light with the fact that Sterling plays down the left-hand side for them now. So if we can have Kabore's pace matching that up, that might be a little bit better than down there where we had Giles's not so quick pace to, you know, he kind of walked past him a couple of three times, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and I think we, like we've said before, I think we was we were still finding the feet then as well, and Giles in particular was as well. It was a, quite a huge step up for us to to make, which we seem to have closed that step down a little bit. Um, Gabore, yeah, you you want him, you want him available, fit and ready to play, like marvelous. Um, I'm not too concerned if he doesn't play. It, obviously, and that's nothing against him at all. I think he's a terrific player. Um, but I just think Alfie Doughty is untouchable down that side, even down that side at the moment. If you give Giles another 90 minutes um, on the left, then Doughty's going to start on the right, isn't he? If Kabore is not quite ready. He is, yep. Hopefully Kabore is ready though, because this will be his last league game for quite a while because he's off to the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, I don't know if he's off before the FA Cup game, but I suspect he's not going to play in the FA Cup game anyway. So this will be his last um, Luton game for a while if, uh, if indeed he's fit to play that. Um, let's assume that he is and that uh, Doughty goes back to the left-hand side instead of Giles. Is there any other team changes that you'd like to see from that Sheffield United game? I don't think that he will make them, to be honest, because they've performed so well for those two games. He'll stick 
with them and I don't think there is any reason to make them. After that first half performance, which is absolutely dominant at Bramall Lane, and even the way that they fought back, the the one player I guess you could say, uh, well actually two really, you could say um, Morris is a good shout of uh, starting it again and maybe that is more of a likelihood because of the amount of games over the Christmas period and the close proximities. I could see that possibly happening as an option. I'd still don't think it will. Um, and then Mads Anderson, who came on and played so well, but I think he's, he's more going to be eased back in. I think he's performed so well when he's come off the bench the last couple of games. So um, we'll, we'll see with that one, but no, I think, um, I think he'll go relatively unchanged. Mm. Yeah, I think Mads Anderson was the obvious one. The one thing I would say is there's no physicality to this Chelsea front line, is there? It's more pace and trickery rather than yeah. an Ollie McBurney or sort of Isak type. It's, you know, it's more sort of small and skillful, isn't it? And maybe Bell or Show and Mengi are better suited with their pace to deal with that than, than Mads. Maybe again, hopefully we're ahead like we were in the last two games and Mads comes off the bench to. Um, Pass the bus and put the brick wall up. Yeah, possibly. Um, it was clear that was what he was brought on to do against Newcastle and against Sheffield United as well. And it's good to have him back as well. I've, I've, like James said, I think it was in the last podcast, you know, like the look of him. Really like the look of him. And um, I think in time he will start games, but I can't see who you're, you're taking out at the moment because all three centre-halves that are currently playing have been absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Gabe Osho has impressed me probably the most out of that lot. Um, you know, who, who'd have thought when we signed him on a free from Reading during lockdown when he, he went on loan somewhere, didn't he? I can't Rochdale, remember. Rochdale, I think was it was. Rochdale. Yeah. And we We're thought, in the conference now. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he was brought in as a development player and you sort of thought, well, he's going on, on loan to Rochdale. Is he going to get game time? I think he played an FA Cup game. And apparently did really well. I couldn't see it because the broadcast rights were given to somewhere else. <laughs> Mongolia. Yeah, yeah, because they need to see it more than we do, clearly. <laughs> um, and But he's, he's he's come on leaps and bounds. And going from that to the player he is now, he's, he's just absolutely fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and again, I've said it in a million podcasts before, you want competition all over the park. And you, in defence, I think we're very strong. Um, obviously, if Reece Burke can go more than three games without his leg snapping, that would be, be brilliant as well, because he's another one in there. Locks before his heart problems as well. And don't forget, you've still got Amari Bell and Ted Amengi, who's probably one of the best cheap signings we've had in a long time. Shout out for Amari Bell as well, I think, since he's been mm. given the captain's, captain's armband. Yeah. He, he, in that period where Luton, I thought, would um, were done for, after Sheffield United took the lead, he was fantastic. And more in attacking sense, really, getting out of defence and trying to make things happen. So, yeah, I think he was, the responsibility he seems to, to his work for back role, which I think I've spoken to him about it before because I asked him about it in the end of season deal. I said, do you like playing centre-half? He says, I'll play wherever. He says, but I do prefer playing left wing-back, yeah. which would suit him because he can get up and down the channels and he's quick. And we all know what, how good he is at that. Um, like you say, he's been brilliant since he stepped in as captain and you know it's almost as if he was a natural defender centre half yeah it is um, Morris or Eli up front any preference no preference really um, I think we went with Morris at the bridge didn't we and we did yep. from from memory he he did give 
Chelsea play, uh, defenders a little bit of trouble and um, but Elijah's started doing that now as well um, I wouldn't I'm not one for changing a team unless you absolutely have to I think barring a knock or anything that Elijah gets between now and kick off I wouldn't change it so much now and it's harsh on Morris because he's come on at Sheffield United and made two goals out of nothing um, and when he does come on he's a big presence and you really feel it um, but yeah I, I can't see it I can't see it changing. Yeah, you'd be surprised if Chelsea is stupid enough to score two goals for us. But hey, if you want to, Chelsea, <laughs> feel free. We'll gladly accept it. That's for sure. Uh, Chia? Yeah, another great shout, really, because of his performance when he came on. Um, I mean, maybe there's more of a case if Kabori doesn't play and there's a bit of um, uh, changing around on the on the flanks. But... Um, He's been such an impact, really, coming off the bench. Um, really, I mean, it's uh, Sheffield United, definitely, but uh, and Newcastle just gave that sense that they weren't getting back into that game because... He turned into yeah. peak Cody Drame, didn't he? Um, winning throw-ins and getting a crowd going and everything else. Mm. Uh, Cody Drame against Sunderland, I'm sure everyone remembers that. Yeah. Um, he should, still should have squared it. He's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He's... Uh, <laughs> He's a great threat. And the one thing that we haven't said is we don't know Ryan Giles' status either. He seemed to be limping at Bramall Lane when he came over to um, address the Luton fans. So if that's something that's lingered, then Chio could possibly be the right wing back with Dowsey left back in in the way that we finished at Sheffield United. But I think all in all, we're kind of happy, you know, unless players are back, similar side to that Sheffield United game and but indeed the, the one before at Newcastle. Isn't that whole, this whole conversation, isn't that wonderful to have um, the, the, the confidence in every player, whether they play in or not. We've got, if, if the players that we've mentioned who we're thinking may come in, there's a possibility, but they, if they're not, they're on the bench. That's a great bench to, to bring off against anybody. And it has shown. Yeah. I mean, in I thought, weeks. I thought our bench against Newcastle was as good. I mean, <laughs> there are many times you'd take that as your first team mm, as for yeah. Luton. You know, I've dreamed of Luton's first team being that good. Now it's our bench, you know. I mean, you look at Sheffield United and indeed Newcastle, I guess. He's made five changes against Newcastle. Jordan Clark and Taith Chong are sat on the bench watching. When's it my turn? He's made five changes against Sheffield United. And again, Chong's on the bench. Corley Woodrow's on the bench. Luke Berry's on the bench. All hugely influential players over the course of 2023. And, um, yeah, I mean, when he spoke about competition for places and headaches, you know, he needs plenty of aspirin because he's got plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of headaches, hasn't he? That mm. is for um, that is for sure. Right, where do we get at Chelsea? Um, we always look like to look at this. I'm thinking back to recent Chelsea games, and the one that sticks in my mind most recently was against Newcastle in the Cup when um, Wilson just put even the slightest bit of pressure on Badia Shearley. Well I've probably completely butchered <laughs> his name, but not as much as he butchered clearing the ball on that occasion and tripped over his own feet, turned into baddier shite, really. And um, he, he strikes me as someone that you've got to go at. I, 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 he wasn't particularly good against Wolves either. Mm. They're going to bring Thiago Silva in, aren't they? That's an obvious. They're going to bring him in from... He, rest, he he sat out on Wednesday night, obviously, at 39 years old. Can't, on, he? Yeah, he can't do um, three games, and that's absolutely understandable so you're going to have him and then I, alongside him you're either going to have Badia Shealy or I mean he's Dizazi I think he, yeah. but he's more disaster than Dizazi and whoever it is alongside Silva he's not 
you know, he's the one who's got to be targeted, isn't he? Because I thought Silver had Morris absolutely in his pocket at their place. I haven't mm. seen a defender control Colton Morris but since before. Thiago Silva's not looked like the or conquering player that he has been in that not game and, and, no. and in his career. Yeah. He's he's had some howlers recently. Seems to be a Chelsea thing. But that, yeah. you can get at this defence though, can't you? I yeah. mean you look at you look at the goals they've conceded. I mean Newcastle put four past them based on what we saw of them in front of our eyes and against Newcastle uh, against Notts Forest, you wonder how. Man United only scored two, but they could have had God knows how many more that night. And yeah. Everton have scored against them. Wolves again missed a lot of chances. To be fair, the boy in goal who's replaced Sanchez, Petrovic, I saw a lot of him in the MLS. He's very, very good. I, uh, I like him as a goalkeeper. He'll mm. be hard to beat. Yeah, he will. But if you go at the centre backs, and actually the left back, it's Levi Colwell, isn't it? Who's left back? Yes. Who, yeah. Who's stolen and Alfie Doughty's England caps in the last uh, <laughs> England international. That's a big club thing. That. He's another one that we can get at, isn't he? Uh, yeah. You look if if you saw the Crystal Palace goal, and I'm sure you have done by now. I don't know what he's trying to head, but it's certainly in the ball that's coming over. And at least says behind him, and he's like, "Hello, I'll yeah. just control this and tap it in." And we've got Andros Townsend in the exact same position, who's every bit as technically good as Michael Elise. Get that ball over over his kind of head, and um, let's see what can come from it. Yeah, and hopefully he hasn't learned from his mistakes and that 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 exact move happens again. Um, because we've got that in our locker. We've seen like from the Newcastle game and from Sheffield United as well, the balls that Barkley and Lukonga are spraying out wide, getting them in the wide areas, um, are putting these defenders on the back foot, drawing them out and then overlapping, drawing them out again, just pulling defenders out of position the way we're doing it. Um I think if they didn't realise it already, they're in for a game. They, 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 they really are, and I think I think we can cause them problems. I don't think they're gonna. Um, I don't think they're gonna roll over as much as Chelsea fans may well think. No, absolutely. Um, and of course, as I say, it's not so much the recovery time, the lack of that they've had. It's the lack of preparation time because you know they'll have been putting all their eggs into getting a win against Crystal Palace, which they have done. It's less than sort of, by the time they go back into training, because I'm assuming they'll have most of the following day off, that's less than 48 hours before they kick off against us. So to work on like tactics and things, because we are a whole different ball game to, to the Wolves and the Crystal Palaces of this world, to work on what we bring to the party, they're not going to have an awful lot of time. And, and I really think the wide areas will be important in this game because you look through the middle, they're going to have Caicedo, who's supposedly like this incredibly strong defensive midfielder. They'll probably have Conor Gallagher somewhere through the middle. I don't mm. know if Enzo Fernandez is fit just to complete the hundred million pounds ones, but they've got Lavia as well, haven't they? Who could play there. So whilst Ross Barkley's had like Rice and Rodri and Gimaresh and Hamer and all these other midfielders in his pocket and he still ain't let them out. You just wonder if there is room for Caicedo and co in there. So maybe going wider is our is our best sort of form of attack because Reese James is injured as well, isn't he? They'll have Gusto mm. at right wing back or right back, depending on if they play three or four. And um that feels like the way to go. It feels like the way to go against most sides really. They really, really don't like um going at them down there and, and chucking crosses into the box and that's such a strength for for Luton this season. Um just carry on doing that really and it's great that if Chelsea haven't got that much time to prepare for that and they haven't got a lot of time to just do lots of 
crossing and set piece drills because that will, will gobble that up. I mean, they won't have seen that at the bridge. As well, That's what really, I was going to say. They, it's a completely different threat yeah. to what we provided down there. Absolutely. We were, I don't like to say we were out of our depth that night because that's unfair because of the situation around it. We hadn't played for two weeks. We were, we'd had one Premier League game going into it. Mm. But clearly we've grown into the league a hell of a lot more than we had done by that night. And we are a hold, you know, we tried to kind of play the Premier League game, didn't we, that yeah. night, keep the ball. And now we play the Luton game and the Luton game's completely different. So I think that lack of preparation time really does help us in this game. I think so. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they'll, they will expect to win and as most teams have done, but surely now the message is getting across the Premier League that you don't go to Kenworth Road and have it easy um, and they've got to break down a team that's well drilled have been pressing high and fantastically well um, even away now that's that's coming in but certainly at home uh, and there's probably another reason why you'd say you'd want to keep Elijah in because he leads that in, in from the attacking sense Um and yeah, getting getting down the flank so well with Doughty and his um, ability to cross and how well he's done this season. Townsend coming to the fore. If Chio does come on, that's an obvious route as well. It's remarkable that 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 is such a weapon when we were talking so much about Chio when he was playing. He's obviously come out because of that little bit of injury, and it's not diminished. Mm. Um, it's different attributes obviously because cheer would just run at you and knock it past you and it's brilliant to watch mm. but that is now still doing it and that's what Townsend's done for his entire career it's it's great to see and more of that I think yeah absolutely I don't know if Ross Barkley's a prove you wrong kind of guy but if he is then he'll be bang up for this. I suspect he's not. I think he's just enjoying his football. I think he's been low-key proving everyone wrong anyway, just by just <laughs> playing well. Not really of the mentality of, I'm going to show you. But the fact he's just he's, been doing that. You know, the fact that they let him go and does he have that point? I don't know. I mean, he, he did all right down there, didn't he? He was clearly nowhere near fit. That much was obvious, but... There was a lot of competition in midfield. For places as well, wasn't there? Yeah, think, and then they did have a strong midfield that night, didn't mm. they? They had both. Um, Caicedo made his debut, didn't he? And uh, they had yeah. Fernandez, who played that night as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he does want a point, want to prove a point against his former employers, uh, be our guest, Ross. Uh, yeah, just much of the same from what we've seen, really. If we can have a go like he did against Newcastle when he hit the bar, just have it a couple of inches under. He's he's done it, hasn't he? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, that's the, that was reminiscent of the Ross Barkley we knew at Everton. Um, and we've said it a million times on this podcast again, you know, if we were getting 50% of him, we've got, we've got a decent player and like he's, I think you said in the last one, he's about at 80. Um, I don't know if he is a prove your point kind of guy, like you say, I think like he is enjoying his football. He's just trying to get back and, cause he, you can, you can go to, you can make a move in football and it not quite work out. Um, like the France one, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Clear that you know if he's if he's left after a season. I think it was just a year he was there. Uh, it obviously wasn't for him and hadn't quite worked out. And you come to twenty nine and you think, well, hang on, I've played for England thirty times. I've, I was playing for Chelsea in a good Chelsea side. Um, where's my next move? And nobody, 
and I'm, I'm not having anybody tell me that Luton was the obvious place for him to go because it wasn't. None of us saw it coming. Um, as regards to playing his old club, yeah, I, I think it is just a case of I'm just going to show everybody that I'm enjoying playing my football and I'm just going to show everyone that I am the player everybody thought I was before, uh, but I'm just going to do it my way. If he scores, I can't see him running to the out road and rubbing it in on, on the fans. I don't think there's any reason to, really. Don't no. don't think he's that sort of player either. No, I don't either. Um, but if he wants to boss this midfield, it'll be great to watch, wouldn't it? Because, mm. uh, well, it's been great to watch all the midfields that he's bossed so far. Okay, we're just going to break into this episode of the podcast before we give you the score predictions and a look back on 2023. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that we like to be lighthearted on the podcast and we hope that that encourages your enjoyment of it. But we just need to be serious for a moment. Um, you'll have probably have realised that the club were fined £120,000 for um discrimination chant in the game at Brighton where uh, certain supporters used the words Chelsea rent boy. Obviously, we have Chelsea at home on Saturday which, as we've already discussed, is going to be on television, both nationally in this country and internationally, which means that the eyes of the world are going to be on Kenilworth Road on Saturday. So we really, really, really don't want any repeats of any of that going on. Uh, football is for everyone, as we've made a real case from in recent podcasts, and um, discrimination, chanting of any kind will not be tolerated. It can result in a criminal offence. So it could ruin your, not just football experience, but your whole life if you're caught and there is a real clampdown happening in the Premier League. So please, please, please don't sing any chance of any discrimination nature at all. If you don't know what you're singing, please just don't sing it. It's not worth the risk. We have so many great songs about the players that are on the pitch, about our wonderful manager, Please keep singing those as loud as you can. Make that atmosphere that you normally would do for any game. But just keep all the discrimination out of it. We don't need it. Nobody needs it. If we get found guilty of it again, the club are going to get fined even more money. And with the January window coming up, that could be the difference between signing a player even on loan until the end of the season and potentially staying up with it and not. So nobody wants to get into a situation where that's the case. So please, please, please make as much noise as you can on Saturday. Sing as many songs as you can, but keep them about our players, keep them about our manager, keep them about our wonderful club and anything of a discriminatory nature. Please just leave it well out. We do not need it. We need the atmosphere to be as positive and energetic on Saturday, but respectful to everyone that's on the pitch and in the stands. Thank you. And let's get back to the podcast. So we think, you know, there's quite a few ways that we can get at this Chelsea side. Uh, yes, there's threats that we need to contain. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely certain. But their away form uh, is probably the, I mean, we looked at this month as a daunting month, didn't we? But, yeah. you know, the Chelsea away form is making this one maybe the least daunting uh, of them all so far. So does that equate into a Luton win for your score prediction, James? <laughs> Next, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna go for a. I'm gonna go for a two-one, uh, and just that that stat about the last time they won three in a row at the top flight. That's that's doing bits for me. I think and I the fact that it's against Chelsea and it was back then at home. Um, I think it's gonna make Kenilworth Road's gonna be up for this anyway. But th there's there's something in there for me. That, yeah. 
I always had you down as a deja vu man, and uh, there it is. Um, <laughs> does it equate to a Luton win for you, Dan? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say 2-1 as well, but I'm not going to just agree with James for just the sakes of it. <laughs> um, so I've got to think of a different score. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to say 3-2 Luton. I think there'll be goals. Uh, I don't think it'll be pretty in terms of some of the defending we might see. But you never know, we might see a couple of uh, belters as well. So, yeah, I'm co- I'm confident of a home win, purely based on the fact I'm pretty sure Chelsea will underestimate what they're up against. I'll split the difference. And knowing how we are. Yeah, so. I'll split the difference then. I'll go 3-1. Um, I'm also confident of a home win here. More on that lack of preparation side than anything else. Um you know, 7.30 kickoff on a Wednesday. I mean, Jurgen Klopp's moaned about this religiously, hasn't he? 7.30 kickoff on a Wednesday. And I know they were at home, but they still don't get out of the stadium much before 11 o'clock. And, all, you know, the adrenaline that goes through, you're probably not sleeping until the early hours of Thursday morning. This game starts at 12.30 on Saturday. It's, you know, it's just over 48 hours to come down and get yourself back. It's going to be so difficult for them players. And I know they're experienced with it, but not necessarily recently because they've not played midweek games recently, have they? You know, they've not played any sort of Champions League level games this season or anything like that. So I really do think that's a big thing. Um, they're not robots either. I mean, they're, no, they're not. Realistically, you, you you probably have Thursday morning off, train a bit Thursday afternoon, then you've got a bit of training Friday morning and then you, you jump in the hotel, which is bizarre because it's not that far really from you West know, London. You can kind of understand but it with a 12.30 kickoff. They, they, they do that as a religious thing anyway. Um, so there's literally probably two half days, yeah, exactly. which is nothing. Exactly that. And, Absolutely you know, nothing. And obviously before the Crystal Palace game, they'll have had Christmas, so they probably wouldn't have trained to a full intent, uh, sorry, a full schedule around Christmas. Why would you play Christmas Day? Sorry, why, why would you train Christmas Day if you haven't got a game boxing day sort of thing? Mm. And um, yeah, I really do think that that could be a difference here. And um, Town are looking good in front of goal all of a sudden, aren't they? We're being clinical and uh, you never know, they might pop up and score one for us in uh, Sheffield United style as well. So 3-1 for me. 2-1 for James, 3-2 for Dan. I must admit, I did like 3-2 as well. Got that Bournemouth game in my mind as, as a sort uh, of um, uh, 12.30 kick-off-y kind of. That was mm. the first game of a year, wasn't it? This one's the last game of a year, but could be similar. What's your score predictions? Let us know in the comments uh, or on social media. We'll read out any um, correct ones uh, in a review podcast that we do. We're not sure if we're going to do a full review podcast next week. Obviously, if we do, it will be quite later into next week because we have New Year coming up. Or if we're going to do a flash one uh, after the game, that'll all depend on whether I can get it sorted out uh, inside the stadium and things. Um, So do subscribe and you'll know when that drops and everything. So let us know your correct scores. Before we finish this podcast, this is the last full podcast of 2023. Probably the last podcast of 2023 anyway, because I'm not going to ask James to post anything on New Year's Eve uh, unless he particularly wants to. So let's have a quick reflection on what was a magnificent 12 months for Luton Town Football Club. Even at the start of it, James, and I'm as optimistic as anyone, if you'd said to me at the start of it, you're going to be watching Premier League football at the end of it, I'll have been like, (laughs) yeah, I'm not overly sure. But what a 12 months. I mean, from start to finish, 2023 has been a magical year for Luton Town. That's been my favourite. And mine. My absolute favourite calendar year um, following Luton. It's just been outstanding from 
the moment that uh, I know it was 2022, but the moment that Rob got that first win against Norwich and everything clicked then, and it just went, oh, they just went on this mad run, <laughs> didn't they? Where to the point where we thought that they would chase down Sheffield United. Um, I mean, that didn't happen and get in the playoffs. And then we all know what the playoffs used to be for Luton mm. used to be. And this turned everything on its head. It, it just one of the best days, let alone football days, just one of May 27th, 2023 was just up there with one of the best days that just, just, oh man, just smile all the time. Every time I think about it, it was just absolutely perfect in 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 drama and anticipation and excitement and the result and um yeah for triumph and in adversity even more so now after you know it's what's happened to tom for for a second time albeit different um different issues with his heart but how they how they managed to pull that out of the bag after that is just shows the, the the character in this side, and it's it, it's carried on because we've never. I I think the only the Burnley game was one where we were pretty dejected. Every other one, even you know those first three games where we got quite comfortably beaten, you're thinking that you know they they they're doing all right. They they there's in room for improvement. We were picking out things like that, so. Um. Uh, and to get to this stage now where you've got the opportunity to finish off the year with three wins on the spin in the Premier League sounds really good, doesn't it? I mean, even the two that we've got already under the belt is is remarkable. So, um, yeah, ch- Chalk It Down is just one of those magical, magical years. <laughs> Indeed. 2023 is a year I'll never forget as a Luton fan. Absolutely superb. Dan, it's had a derby win. Yep. It's had an incredible night in the playoffs. It's had an incredible afternoon in the playoffs. It's had four Premier League wins. Mm-hmm. It's been an absolute fantastic year. What is there a, is there a particular highlight for you of 2023? It would be pretty textbook for me to say the, the Coventry playoff final, obviously living in Cov, bittersweet for me. <laughs> um, beating Watford is definitely up there. Um, but that, that wasn't as, much of a shock really just from and I'll never forget the warm up from both sides and the reception the Watford players got off us like and I I really believe it rattled them it proper rattled them because I don't think half of them wanted to play for Watford anyway why would you (laughs) Um, but to let to be be known that you're hated so much because of the shirt you're you're wearing I think it really got to them a little bit and um it ended up being quite a comfortable result in the end. The Sunderland game, I think, will go to my grave with me. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, winning at Everton is probably my favourite one because it was a win that I felt was coming, uh, probably a bit overdue because the performances had been there. The results hadn't quite gone in our favour in you know, the manner in which we'd done it as well. And set pieces, like Doughty's free kick across... I know it was the corner first, wasn't it? The corner first and Lockie's gotten on a rebound and smacked it into the net and then Morris volley from a doughty free kick. Uh, just the, the manner of that, it made us, it sort of confirmed to everybody else that we're starting to belong and, you know, I I still think we do belong here. You know, it, it was it was absolutely brilliant and to go from that, from 
the start of the year where, like you said, the idea of playing in the Premier League was just crazy, really. I mean, can't lie, had it in the back of my head that one day we could be there. I've always believed it. To actually be here now, it's 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 really surreal. And for for that reason, 2023 will be a, always be a memorable year for us all, definitely. Um, but the highlight's Everton away because that was the first win in the top flight. And it's, it's the first step to showing that we are where we belong. Yeah, no. That's for me. Absolutely fair enough. Yep. Uh, the highlight for me is that Sunderland night. If one person embodies <laughs> 2023 at Luton Town Football Club, it's Thomas Allen Lockyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for so <laughs> many reasons, the impeccable performances on the pitch, the power, the presence, the bravery, the every, the aggression, the everything that he stands for, to recover once from what happened, to unfortunately go through it again, and we're hopeful that 2024 um, brings great times for him. Of course we are. To be the man to send us to Wembley, you know, there's no Premier League without Tom Lockyer. And um, the noise when that ball hit the back of the net was spine tingling. I mean, when Chong scored against Liverpool, it was similar. But there was something about that Sunderland night. Rob called for the the noise, didn't he? He got it. You know, it's the first time that I've been a Luton fan that you got bog off on drinks before the game started. That's how big it was. And um, <laughs> that also helped it be a yeah. special memory. Um, but, Thanks, lads. <laughs> but, you know, you knew it was, uh, where I sit in the kennel offend, as soon as the ball left Doughty's head, you saw the run that Tom Lockyer was making and you knew ball and head were going to combine and you knew where it was going. You just knew it was written in the stars that Lockyer would... Um, would do that having been given the captaincy and everything else. And that's what I go to football for that noise, that energy, that intimidation, that brilliant night. And uh, yeah, I'll always, always, always remember that uh, second leg home game, particularly because it was such the exact opposite stark contrast to a year previous at Huddersfield Mm. to have had our moment, which we should have had at Huddersfield, but we had 12 months later was, um, don't get me wrong Wembley was magic none of us will ever forget Wembley if you're at Wembley you'll never ever forget it and you probably won't if you're at places like Wardown Park watching it Mm. or even just watching it at home on television that will always um, hold a place in my heart but yeah that night against Sunderland was everything that was so great about this club and one man in particular yeah I mean I can't argue with that he embodies it Rob said it to me a couple of weeks ago he embodies everything about Luton Town Football Club and his journey's been similar to Luton's, so um, there's still that really tight connection between the fans and and the players. You know, not just not just Tom as well, a whole host of them, um, maybe even all of them. Probably, I, I think you can argue the case. So, yeah, I, I, that night, the Watford night, the the playoff, I, I'm absolutely refused to separate any of them. But in in terms, of, even the Liverpool that goal for. The, 10 minutes or whatever it was that the one nil up against Liverpool and that noise, it, uh, it's just all it's been absolutely wonderful. And uh, I think the good thing is that, um, you know, even though it was the start, the slow start of the Premier League in terms of getting into it and getting used to it, we're coming to this point and we're, we're talking ahead of a game where Luton are on the up and looking towards making that, um, a great end to 2023, but also once you get into 2024, I think that the, the belief around the place is just sky high. I mean, nobody else has given Luton a chance for everybody. Everybody here has thought 
we've got we've got a perfectly fantastic chance of keeping in this league. Absolutely, we do. Yeah, that is for sure. And let us know your highlight of 2023. Of course, it's going to be Wembley for most people. We understand that. But if you've got a second highlight, let us have it. Can't get enough of memories of 2023. As I say, we'll remember this 12 months for a long, long, long time to come. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks to James and Dan for their views and for joining me on this episode. Thanks as always to the Hightown Club for hosting our studio and set. Thanks to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music. And thanks also to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on our set. Do like, subscribe, share everything else that you can do to make the podcast bigger. Not only will you find out exactly when our Chelsea review podcast drops, but you'll also do uh, so much for our numbers that can get our sort of um, get us out there a lot more and um, entice us to bigger and better guests, which will be great for us and great for you too. Finally, before we go, I'd like to wish every single Luton fan out there a very, very happy new year. Hopefully 2024. If it's even half as good as 2023, it's going to be fantastic on the pitch. Hopefully it's the year that Luton Town survive in the Premier League and prove them all wrong and go for a second uh, season in the top flight. Have a great, New Year, however it is that you're celebrating it. Hopefully we've got three points against Chelsea to aid with those celebrations. And until next time, come on, you atters. Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul. Business.